What is your body story and where would you like to begin? I am Coco Benitez, founder of the Body Story Movement, and this is the first question I am asking women on this podcast. Because how many people have really been asked, what is your body story? And where these stories go, you are in for a treat because that question can be interpreted and broken down in many different ways. So my hope is that you walk away hearing something that resonates with you because the vision of the body story movement is to impact the lives of girls and women for generations to come so that they can continue to have a love and appreciation for their bodies at every phase of their lives. So I'm interviewing women of all backgrounds, all ages, all different experiences for this body story movement. So thank you for being a part of this community and I'll meet you on the other side. Miss Alexis, welcome to Body Story. Thank you. So excited to join you for this. I'm so happy to have you here. We are doing this. So if you can please introduce yourself, where you live, what you do, and what made you say yes when I asked you to be a part of this Body Story Project? Okay. So hello, anyone who might be listening. My name is Alexis Tressler. Um, I live in DC. Uh, I now consider myself a a resident. This is my home. Mm. I've been here for almost 20 years. So I feel like this is really, this is like where I'm feeling it. Um, (laughs) I have, I've spent a large portion of my career kind of in the health, fitness, wellness industry. I'll just kind of lump it into that. Um, I used to have my own company managing running events. Um, I also taught yoga for a very long time. Um, And in the last year I have transitioned and I'm now working doing just random corporate events. So I'm an event producer, but no longer just focused on the wellness industry. Um, And why did I say yes? Hmm. You know, nobody has ever asked me to do this. Mm. And uh, I do find that maybe I have a lot of things that I want to share, or maybe I just have a lot of thoughts that have been living in my head and in my body for decades at this point um, that I just feel like, you know, should be shared out or um, could be useful or helpful to someone else, even if it's just to say, yeah, I had that thought too. I'm glad I'm not alone. So I just feel like so many times I'm grateful for hearing someone else put to words something that has been sitting in my head. Mm. So maybe I can put to words something that someone else has been thinking or feeling. So. Oh my gosh. What a, what a wonderful reason <laughs> to say yes. Let's get started. And my palms are sweating just a little oh, bit, but <laughs> do a little palm dance. Okay body story. We live in our bodies. We've lived in them since the moment we came in this earth. They will be with us till the day we die. Where do you want to start, Alexis, with where does your mind go instantly when you think of sharing your body story? My mind instantly goes to college and, you know, to my early 20s. And I feel like perhaps before that, I was never really not that I wasn't aware of my body, but I 
don't think I had a negative thought about my body until mm. I was in my twenties. So, okay. um, wow. perhaps it starts earlier and it was only my awareness that happened at that age, but I feel like early twenties is a, is a good place to start. Can I just jump right to it? What was it that brought that level of awareness to your body story in your twenties? What shifted? That is a very interesting question. And I don't think I could pinpoint one thing. I really don't. Um, perhaps it would be that just as growing up and as our bodies change through different parts of our lifetime, um, maybe it was perhaps a more noticeable change for me or, um, you know, as you get older too, and then having interactions, um, whether not just your own gender, but other genders, the opposite sex and people, you know, commenting or saying things, um, it brings a heightened awareness to it. Maybe things that you hadn't thought of before, um, or even paid attention to or noticed. Twenties. Mm. <sighs> I remember my twenties. I was a late so long ago. I was a late bloomer. I've shared this with a few other women on the interview, but I lost my virginity at 21. So I was a senior in college. So I really, that kind of that discovery, that layer, like really diving into my sexuality at that age really did help me have a different connection with my body. And that was early twenties. Um, is there a specific story, like something very pivotal, uh, maybe something you experienced on your own with a partner, out with friends, on the social scene, in privacy, that's just really highlights your story in your 20s when you think of your body? Oh, yes. And um, so when I think back to my 20s, and if I had to kind of summarize how I was feeling about my body. Um, gosh, I would just say my entire, my entire 20s was filled with simply disordered eating, my entire 20s. Um, and I just think of it as a very chaotic time, um, myself trying to just get control or assert control over my body to do exactly what I wanted it to do. Um, and at the same time, you know, your body is just going to keep changing and kind of doing what it wants to do. And you can listen to it, um, and work with your body and have compassion and, you know, roll with the punches and roll with change, or you can try to control it, um, and force things. And, you know, I, I feel like that's where I was in my twenties, trying to force and control everything about my body. My twenties, the evolution of both being my heaviest and then in my late twenties, starting my fitness kick where I was just doing everything and saw my body completely transition just in a matter of a couple years. It was very, but all in the middle of that, Alexis, one word you mentioned, I was still doing control, still mm -hmm. both controlling how I ate, what I ate and then not having control at times. So our, like, even in my twenties to see that transition, you're absolutely right. It's constantly transitioning. Were you aware of that in your twenties of the change? Or is this just something you're able to recognize now in your thirties? I think it's uh, definitely more uh, perspective now, just looking back. Um, I have been active my entire life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, I'm pretty sure 
in high school, I was awarded the most athletic award. Nice. Um, I, I not only had a sport every season, I had more than one sport. If they would let me like kind of do halftime, I, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I did it all. I was always super active. I ran like my first 10 K when I was nine. Um, Girl, I've always been into competitive running. Yeah. I, I, and the truth is like, I come from a place of loving, um, being active. And I know that's not everybody's experience with it. Um, you know, often when I tell people I love running, they're like, what, what do you love about it? That's <laughs> You're running, running where? <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Well, what are you running from? <laughs> but truly in my soul, I just, I love to be moving. I've always loved movement activity. Um, and perhaps as a result of that, I don't think I was really ever aware of what my body looked like or what my weight was mm. until probably when I got to college and, you know, I was no longer, mm. I did, I did run cross country when I was in college, but I wasn't as active. So, um, certainly my body was changing. I was eating at, you know, this, the cafeteria at school. So mm. I didn't have control over like what I was eating. Um, and just eating in more of like a social environment too. So not being as like mindful and paying attention. So um, yeah, I'm certain that change happened then. And perhaps I wasn't aware of it at the time, but definitely looking back for sure. Can I ask Alexis, do you, did you find yourself in your twenties mainly around other people that were athletic as well, or that had a level of body awareness? Was that something that you were, you were keen on then at that time? I actually, well, it was a mix. So, um, I did have some friends that were also active, um, <laughs> who I would see in the gym all of the time at school. And then I also had the friends who were like once a semester going and, uh, sitting on a bike or walking on the treadmill and really just watching TV. So <laughs> it was, you know, the whole gamut of people who were like really into it and, yeah. uh, other folks who are very, very casual uh, and not excited to participate at all. <laughs> Alexis is there, this is, it's transitioning a bit, but it makes me think of my twenties. Was there, I'm thinking of like social media that wasn't really popping a whole lot as much as it is now. There wasn't anything. Was there a discussion, <laughs> Alexis, about an ideal body type? Do you remember what that discussion sounded like among you and your friends, among things that you were hip to? What was, how would you describe the ideal body type that maybe you were looking to at that age? I think one of the problems with that is there was not necessarily a discussion. I do actually think that this might have been a, an example of where social media and um, just a lot more inclusive voices sharing their stories may have actually been quite helpful. Um, I definitely found that I was at a school surrounded by people who were just like me. Um, so coming from like the same socio socioeconomic background, obviously we were in school together. So we were made, uh, attaining the same level of education. So I basically was going to school with people who were just like me. Um, and I think the idea was always just there, maybe from magazines, I think, uh, growing up, the thinner you were, the better. Like, mm. I don't think there could be a thing of being too thin. Yeah. What are your, how do you see this now? 
Because even saying, even as I'm interviewing and saying the using the language ideal body type, that does that actually triggers my entire body. Just saying that language. Because it's it's just so ideal body type. Ideal according to whom? So it's so funny that you say that like thin. I hear that when I was in my 20s. Thinness might even look different from the way someone else seems sees thinness or uses the word skinny. It stunned me, Alexis, when my weight loss journey started and I was visibly losing weight when people would use the word thin to describe me. I could not, first of all, I, di I didn't, it didn't hit me. It didn't resonate with me. It's not how I felt in my body whatsoever. But mm -hmm. that word thin growing up, high school, teenage years, I have always associated with a white woman. So to hear the word thin used for me, it just did not resonate with me whatsoever. I'm curious about mm -hmm. how the language of thinness and skinniness has played a presence in your circles, in your world, whether among other white women, your friends, because I know you have a very diverse group of friends. How has that word played in the body story when you talk to other women? Thin and skinny. How's that word played out? It has definitely changed a lot. So I, I would say uh, when I was in college in my 20s, uh, and again, I was surrounded by people who were just like me. So mm -hmm. white women who honestly were all relatively thin based on what my perception was. Mm -hmm. um, like we could all wear about the same size. We shared clothes in college. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we were literally like carbon copies of one another. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like at that time there was likely an agreed on definition, whether we had like shared it or not. Uh, and that being that like, you know, you could borrow your friend's clothes and it was fine. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I was going to say like later on, but I'm like, well, okay, now into my thirties, into my later thirties. So speaking now, um, yeah. I just love how much the dialogue has changed. Mm. Um, I love that there is a dialogue. I love that it's changing and I don't feel like people are using the word thin so much. I feel like perhaps now the focus I'm not sure what the focus has shifted to. I was going to say like healthy or something around like wellness. Because there um, is a shift, Alexis. There definitely there is. is a shift. Yeah. And I just like, for me, this was years ago, but I remember walking into a Target store and seeing a mannequin and it was like a full plus size mo model wearing clothes. I just, I don't know why that did something for me. And I'm like, why am I getting so excited about seeing this? because it's it's just not the norm because of what we've consistently seen and that's another reason why this body story project was so so critical um and i haven't interviewed and i want to interview women from every type of background alexis because i do feel the language of how we speak about our bodies what we say what we ascribe to is different based on where you're from culturally what you see and what you know is there is there still do you feel pressure is there still like, as a woman in your body, where do you still feel these areas of just like awareness, maybe hypersensitivity or awareness when it comes to your body? Yeah, uh, so I've got a, I've got a couple of points there. Um, <laughs> okay. when, you, <laughs> when you're talking about, you know, going into Target and finally seeing, uh, you know, plus size uh, mannequins, um, which really should just be like real 
normal size people, like representations of what we are. Yes. Um, you know, it's very, it's, it's a very strange feeling for me. It actually, while I am aware that it's important. Um, and when I think about, uh, you know, younger kids seeing that and just starting to get the language of, okay, this is just like what a person looks like a mm -hmm. body looks like, you know, there is no ideal. Um, at the same time, it is a little, it's not triggering to me, but it is, it takes me to a, definitely takes me to a place of fear. When I think to see mannequins and models that are of all shapes and sizes. Oh, tell me more. It's, it, it's very convoluted in, in my mind when I talk about this, but it's almost like it's almost like somewhere in my mind, I am fearful that I will lose control and perhaps just look like another random body and stop trying to control what it is that I look like. And that is, that is very scary. I would say for someone who has uh, dealt with disordered eating for so long, like letting go of control or perhaps, you know, when we, when we go back and talk about that ideal, if that ideal no longer exists, if there is no longer an ideal, mm. like, what have I been doing and where, where am I going to focus my control now? Right. Cause if, it, mm. if the disordered eating is about having control in some facet of your life, like what am I going to do now? Wow. Wow. Alexis, I've, I've never heard it from that perspective before so it's it's almost like somebody who uses like a template like their guy this template is kind of what they're on and then the templates removed and they're like blank canvas start from scratch and you're just like where do I start what am I ascribing to that I've never heard it framed like that before yeah well if, I mean if you think about if we don't introduce to kids you know this ideal body image and we don't talk to them about you know things that we see on their body. Oh, you're gaining weight. Oh, you're losing weight, you know, mm -hmm. positive and negative. If we yeah. just allowed everyone to live as they want, eat what they want, be active if they want, you know, live a lifestyle that they want, we would be, you know, we wouldn't be working towards some sort of ideal and everyone would just do what they wanted, you know, and that would be fine and acceptable and people would be happy. Yeah. Um, but whenever we're working off of, you know, some sort of template of what we're working to achieve, um, you know, if we kind of like take that away, you're, you're almost like, I don't know how to describe it. You're a little like lost and fearful. Um, you know, if, if in my mind I'm thinking, gosh, the last thing that I want to do is gain weight and assign to myself, like I am fat, whatever that means to me, okay. like now there's now there's permission to, to do that. I don't know if that makes sense. And that feels I, I can't tell scary. You it, it makes a tremendous amount of sense because sometimes Alexis, I can even feel hypocritical in my, in my own body. Like when winter comes around, I can visibly see differences in my body because I'm eating more comforting food. Maybe I'm not outside and active as much. So I do find these quiet moments of judgment within myself but if I was to be ascribing to what you're what you're talking about right now, 
those moments wouldn't exist because sure I soften up a bit or something's a little looks different than it would during the summertime. But if I don't have this ideal that I'm aiming for, I would just be being. So the hip, the hypocrisy where it comes into me is, especially as a health and wellness coach, I want people to just be, I want to just be and live in my moments and enjoy my life as it is. But I also see the importance of living a healthy life. The two to me go together and movement is a part of that healthy life. Eating food that nourishes me is a part of that healthy life. So I think to get to kind of what you're, to, to eliminate that fear as I hear how you're describing it, maybe that new ideal is just being as healthy as I can be, being as healthy as yeah. you can be, whatever that looks like. Yeah, you know, if I wasn't going to the doctor and they were telling me that according to my BMI, I'm overweight, like maybe I wouldn't have these thoughts. <laughs> like, you know, if I didn't have, uh, you know, if we didn't have metrics to measure ourselves up against, maybe we would make our own metrics or maybe we would just live a little freer, you know? What does that do for you? Knowing your history with your body story, Alexis, that freeness, what is, how does that land with you right now? When you think about just thinking of you and your body? I can't, I can't imagine it. Honestly, I, wow. um, you know, I, I've talked about this with, uh, with Brian, with my husband many, many times and I just think that at some point in your life, like I do believe that people can change, but I just feel like what has been drilled into my brain, like I might adjust a little bit. I just, I cannot imagine ever being completely free of it. Like I just feel poisoned and while I might get a little bit healthier and (laughs) let some of that toxic knowledge out of my body, it's, there's always going to be something there. What do you think you being this honest and candid about this revelation that you're sharing right now? What do you think this is going to do for someone that might be listening? What might they take away from this, Alexis? Well, I think if they are someone who has similar thoughts and ideas um, and has, um, you know, it's interesting. I was just going to say the words like struggled with weight. But like, is that what I've done or have I just tried to control my weight and make it what I want? Like, is, is that really the same thing? Um, Mm. but anyway, someone who will just say perhaps is like having, having trouble around their body image and not really loving their body just as it is, you know, first I hope that they realize that they are certainly not alone. Um, and also maybe just to encourage them to, if they feel, and if they, if they're brave enough to, cause you know, it does require a little bit of bravery, talk to other people around them, um, open up in places where you feel like you're struggling or ashamed or embarrassed. Like if you can share some of that and bring it to light, you know, you might, you might hear something in conversation that, um, changes the course of your direction that you're going or your life. Um, Mm. I feel like the most dangerous place that um, kind of our thoughts and judgment can live are in us. And I feel like the moment you bring that out into the light, you name it, you say it, that's really the only time that you can work on shifting it. If it's just living within you, I don't really think you can shift it or 
change it because you know it's it's you're just working with what's in your brain and that's not necessarily changing that's true that's that shadow work kind of pulling that darkness out and just like no one else can call it out if you've called it out on your own you know if you've unpacked yeah. it and investigated it oh there's so much power in bringing those dark shadows to the light there really is and really just a lightness off your shoulders What's the part of your body you love the most? What do you appreciate most about your body that you just, maybe something you wear, Alexis, maybe when you look at this part of your body, you just, it's very easy and natural to say something sweet about it. Hmm. It can be from the <laughs> crown of your head to the tip of your toe. What do you oh, love Coco, and appreciate? You know that like, come on, as, as someone who, who uh, has not really loved their body, me looking in the mirror is like, like I'd rather live in a house that didn't have mirrors. <laughs> and even, you know, this Zoom and being on video all the time, I'm like, oh, can I just not join with camera? Um, but no, um, you know, I've always, I've always uh, really kind of loved like my legs and the strength that they've had. I've always Ooh. been very proud of how strong I am and being a runner, they always get me where I want to go. And um, for a long time, they got me there very fast. So I, you know, I really, I really appreciated that. And, um, I was very proud of how strong I was. So yeah, yeah. my legs. Yeah. It's important. It's, we gotta get, we gotta get rooted in what we love. It's so easy to like pull ourselves apart and analyze, but all of us, I really believe this have at least one thing that we really love and appreciate about our bodies. And I just, that's been a huge part of my body story. Alexis is starting from there. Like, what do I love? And then just honoring that, whether it's looking at myself at nighttime when I get out the shower with the candle on so it can have that extra sexy glow or just wearing yeah. things that really accentuate and highlight that piece of me. It's just, we have to start with what we're really loving and celebrate and then just let it gradually grow. That has been a winner for me. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I, um, so it's, it's, it's so challenging because, um, you know, Brian would tell you that, you know, he just thinks that I'm so attractive and he thinks that I would look good in anything. And then if you had to compare, like, say I had 10 different outfits that you put me in and we, we looked at all 10 pictures lined up, I probably wouldn't find one that I was like, oh, I look really good in that. Oh, I look really good in that. And he would say like, oh, you look good in all of those. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I think it's really, yeah, it's just really hard for me. Um, one place I do think that I've been successful. Um, so I've had, you, you know, this, I've had two spine surgeries and I do feel like that was actually a turning point in my body story because for the first time I appreciated what my body could do for me. Mm, um, it was also wow. a moment where, you know, I didn't know what the future was. So would I be able to be active? Would I be able to do the same things that I could do before? And I really had to get real with myself and um, look at the possibility that I may never be able to be active again and what that might do to my body. Um, made me very grateful for any and everything that I could do after surgery um, and just noticing how resilient my body was. Like if I were my body after how I treated it for 35 years before that, I would have just like 
taking the train out of town and said, <laughs> good luck, you know, but thankfully, you know, my body was like, okay, I'm here for you. Yes. Like I'm here for you. Oh, Alexis, what a wonderful, like way to like bring us back really full circle on the power of our bodies, because sometimes when we're in pain and that's, I feel like after 30, you wake up and it's like something new is like, eh, where'd that come from? <laughs> so I'm, I think through pain, as odd as that sounds, I am even leaning more into the love of my body through things that are like, it could be chronic, you know, back pain or learning. Even I went to a pelvic floor specialist to really learn how to relax my pelvic area. So when you have sometimes pain, you almost have to hug in a little closer to it and give that part even some extra, extra love in. So it's, I hear what you're saying. It's made sometimes pain and recovery can help us fall in love and see our bodies and their resiliency. I agree with that yeah. completely. Oh, wow. Is there anything, Alexis, that I didn't ask you about or that you just feel like you would like to share? You know, as we, as we wrap up, I feel like it went so quickly, but I just, I'm just very thankful for your, your honesty and vulnerability. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, I mean, currently I am just, I'm honestly at a, at a moment in my life where I'm so grateful for the conversation through social media by um, one, not only people who are brave enough to talk about issues that they've had with their body, body image, um, whether it's in their mind or in their body issues mm -hmm. that they've had. Um, and also people who are kind of cultivating a new path in sharing that. Mm -hmm. So for example, I, um, you know, maybe this is like still that spot of control where I'm researching and learning about something called reverse dieting. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically the idea is just that you eat enough for your body to thrive, like a very basic concept. Whereas, yes. you know, everything about dieting is restricting, cutting back, mm -hmm. suffering, pain, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And this is about more of nourishing your body to have enough energy to do the things that you want to do. So mm -hmm. however active you want to be, you know, eating enough for that, not like not eating enough so that you can change what's going on in your body, rather eating enough so that you can do the activities that you want. Um, and I just think it's, it's a great new direction. Um, and you know, maybe I'm just not following things anymore on social media that are all about like cutting and getting thin and all of that, you know, maybe I've, I've, um, I've had enough of that. I, you know, I've, I've had enough of that toxicity and I, and I see it and I know it, and I want to be as far away from it as I can, but I, I, I certainly appreciate, um, just like the openness and the new dialogue. And while I don't think I will ever be completely free um, of sort of like negative body image or whatnot, I'm happy with the path that I'm on. I'm exhaling because I ditto 100% your last sentence. That's probably secretly why I have to do this. I know I'll never let go of some things, Alexis, the rest of my life. So this is my way of healing is through hearing other women's stories and knowing it's going to change someone else's life. So I just, I want to thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You know, just thinking, you know, I, I'm always like, okay, when I get, when I get to the end of my days, hopefully I will be very old and have lived a very, very full life. Do I really want to think about 
my whole life being spent trying to control my body. Mm. Like, no, I want to think about all of the good memories, the parties that I went to, the great food that I ate, you know, all of these experiences, you know, rather than trying to like zap the joy out of living, (laughs) you know, just doing things that are fulfilling, eating foods that are fulfilling, doing activities that are fun. And you're not beating yourself up or doing three workouts a day. Like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm trying to like write over those terrible memories of new ones. So that when I look back, I do feel like, wow. Yeah. Like I spent my life doing things that were meaningful and fulfilling and not worried about what someone else thinks about my body. Mm. Like what, you know, what a waste that would be. Girl, yes. Ain't nobody got time. Oh, Alexis, thank you so much. Thank you so much. One last kind of just funny thing that I've not even funny thing, but that I've started to do, you know, it is forever a problem for women walking down the street and mostly men just commenting, right? Cat calling, commenting on what you're wearing, whatnot. I have now, I, I, I now just, I now respond to them. And if somebody says something or, you know, makes a sound or whatever, I just scream back at them. Nobody asked you. <laughs> <laughs> you do. How does that feel, Alexis? So good, you know, <sighs> because I feel like so often we just feel like victims and that we have to like hear someone else's opinion about our bodies. Nobody <sighs> asked you. Yeah. I've so- yelled out, mind your own business. I've yelled that out. <laughs> I, I mean, just, and it's, it's, it can just be in that moment because that, you know, I know we're kind of switching gears, but to that, it's like, my thinking is you were bold enough to feel that that was your place to say that. So you're going to be bold enough to hear my response. And yeah, it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? I get it, Alexis. So I like that you've, you've taken something that drives all of us crazy and found a little humor in it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to stop. But But Alexis, thank you, hon. I appreciate you so much. And um, I can't wait to see how this story has an impact on someone's life. Well, thank you. And thank you for asking me to share this. I really, I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Signing off. stories are going to change lives and you are officially a part of the body story movement. So thank you for being here. And I appreciate you listening. If you heard something on this podcast that you felt moved by, I'm willing to bet there is some girl or woman in your life who will feel the same. Because in true honesty, this podcast was created for 16 year old Coco. 25-year-old Coco, 35-year-old Coco, who needed a space like this to hear women share their truth about their body, stories they heard growing up, stories they continue to be fed, and how they are unlearning some of these stories. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please share. You can also find the Body Story Movement on YouTube, where you can see some of these interviews at the Body Story Movement as well as on Instagram, the Body Story Movement to catch short clips of these interviews. Thank you again for listening. There is a phase two to the Body Story Movement, which involves a mentorship and a scholarship piece. So I look forward to sharing more details about that as that 
piece of the body story movement continues to evolve. Thank you all so much. I am Coco Benitez. I am a life coach. I am a speaker and I am the founder of this beautiful body story movement.